Just kidding. Just kidding. Ah. Hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome to the Babyface Heel Podcast. Not bandwagon nerds. I am not Greg DeMarco. I am Patrick O'Dowd. And Greg DeMarco, my friends, is not here. He is tending to some family business, like real family business, the literal family business. And so you get a very special episode of the Babyface Heel Podcast with the new besties. That's right, myself, Patrick O'Dowd, and my new bestie, Miranda Morales. Miranda, Queen of Soft Style, the Twitterless heroine, the woman with more titles than, you know, any wrestler I'm, ever had. I was going to say, I'm getting up there with Charlotte Flair, I think, with right. title, title reigns. I'm getting up there. She keeps on beating me, but but one day we may come back neck to neck with uh, names and, and titles. Right. Well, and here's the deal is, you know, it's ironic that you would use the phrase one day when talking about Charlotte and title reigns. Uh, with her one day title reign because here we we're we have full disclosure folks we're gonna we're gonna kind of riff about the weekend that was in the wwe uh we're gonna talk a little bit about money in the bank and a little bit about monday night raw as before the show came on miranda and i were were talking and i I just kind of commented that for about 48 hours for the most part the internet wrestling world seemed to be in a good place uh, in response to Money in the Bank and Monday Night Raw, and the WWE pulled out a lot of all the stops, if you will, over the last 48 hours in, in a big way and in a mostly positive way. And so, while Miranda, I know you've already talked a little bit about it, and you'll hear uh, you'll hear some of Miranda's thoughts on Money in the Bank and Monday Night Raw with Craig on the Miranda Show come Thursday, uh, this is my chance to talk with you about the weekend that was in the WWE. Well, I think it's also that exciting, the fact that we both talk about it on on these shows. I think this is the most excited a lot of fans have been about the WWE in such a long time. Uh, I know for me, this feels like what I should have felt around WrestleMania time. Um, even though they had live fans again at WrestleMania, it does seem that they just, you know, I don't know if they intentionally decided or what exactly happened, but it felt like, you know, that follow up after WrestleMania wasn't as big as we have historically seen it. Um, and so the fact that we had live crowds at both events, I feel like played a very huge role in what we saw on uh, on Sunday at Money in the Bank and on Monday uh, Night Raw. I'd even take it a step further and argue that the WWE was pretty smart in their first crowd being the SmackDown before and setting a hype bar for Money in the Bank. Because <laughs> SmackDown was pretty lit within its own right with the opening with the chairman himself coming out to a huge pop the crowd was pretty much on fire from the opening bell to the close of the show and i think that that set a standard that then audiences wanted to carry forward as the you know for a lot of these people these fans this is likely their first show back and they want yeah. to show something for it. And so it was 
it was a hot crowd. I think Monday Night Raw, we started to, to kind of come down a little bit from that high. But there, just so many big pops. And maybe that's where we'll start today. The crowds. What 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 did you think of the the quote WWE universe and and, and just how they how they came back? Not just yeah. you know. Yeah, they, just no, they they weren't there. You know, it's such a good point. Like I think we get so used to the responses, especially over the past you know nineteen months or so. Uh, the responses are sixteen months. Uh, the responses that we see online is what the reaction is truly. Because we had the Thunderdome, but, you know, a lot of that noise was directed by WWE as to what they wanted to hear. Um, So I think I went into having the live crowds again as almost a little bit of hesitation. Like, are we going to get a true crowd reaction or is WWE going to continue to kind of manipulate some of that crowd noise? And I felt like it was very genuine and authentic crowd reactions. And, you know, people who were just happy to be there, people who had very distinct opinions about, you know, their favorites and non-favorites. But, you know, it was really, as you said, a a really good crowd reaction. People were happy. And I feel like it was, you know, maybe a weird word to use, but like a very wholesome experience to just see people happy to be in front of wrestling again. And I think this is one of the great indicators of how good wrestling audiences can be. And, and it was like this at AEW too. Like everybody knows I don't really mm-hmm. watch AEW or follow, but when they brought fans back, that's that's been an excited and happy to be there crowd. And I think that's part of it, it's just happy to be there. Happy to be there, to be a part of those those shows. We, we and I, and I really felt this, Money in the Bank, watching Money in the Bank in particular, it, it felt right, and it, like I was happy felt good. watching it. Yeah, it felt good, and I felt happy to see that again. Even though I wasn't there, I was like, "Like this is just how it should be, yeah. right?" Like the the experience of professional wrestling is is completely a a a community based experience, in my opinion. Is in in that moment when you're in that arena. You're part of uh, of a, a, a smaller community that, of course, is part of a, a greater one that is, is fandom in general. But that experience at a, at a live show and seeing those folks experience it, that was like it warmed the heart and, and was a lot of fun. And, I, and it was great. So kudos to anybody who attended a show yeah. over over the past weekend because, you know, from SmackDown on through Monday Night Raw, because it was it was great to see. You love to see it. And I just hope that the momentum continues. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All right. So we are today, we are going to talk about, um, let's give our thoughts on Money in the Bank. And then we'll also give our thoughts on this past Monday Night's Raw. But before we get into any of that stuff, I feel like even though Greg's not here and I don't have the, the mastery board in front of me, that it's still time to do something. Oh. There's like a thing that would, oh, the dog showed up. Uh, 
I, and she got excited because she, she knows, knows what time it is. Coming. What time is it? She knows what time it is. Yes. Uh, Patrick, it is really my honor to be able to hand this to, to you and to say that it's time to wind it up. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yes. It's time to wind it up because it is time for you to go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to pick up your very own chair shot t-shirt today. Yes, if you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot, you're going to find over 25 different t-shirt designs all for you in support of the chairshot.com. That includes, of course, the classic and favorites like the unofficial official t-shirt of Patrick O'Dowd, hashtag save tag team wrestling. Baron Corbin sucks, which, man, one day we'll have to talk about that downward spiral happening on, on paper because yeah. uh, that's, you know, fairly entertaining and almost like we predicted the future. You should you should actually really go buy that T-shirt because that's pretty spot on right now. Of course, multiple always use your head T-shirts, the OG chair shot logo, the Queen of Soft Style T-shirt, and everybody hates Greg. So go ahead, visit ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. T-shirts start at $19.99, but if you want to customize it and pay a few extra dollars, you can order it in soft style and wear it in style. So what are you waiting for? Go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. All right. Thank you for you know allowing me to set up the winding of the you know the winding it up and, and and giving your best even when DeMarco's not here. Now this is what the you know the new besties do. If anything it was just like a hit this little friendship milestone where we you know, know. shared just, this little it's just a little moment. I know we we still don't have our own T-shirt yet though. We gotta someday. We're, we gotta yes. we gotta get a new bestie shirt so then you can plug the new bestie shirt on the show. Oh my God, I'll plug that shirt so hard. I'll See, I, that so would hard. be the second prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot shirt I would own. Is the the new besties and it's got like I said, I think we talked about this before. It really should look like a morning show logo, like the two of us with like cups of coffee or something. I don't know, whatever. Uh, I know you cartoon faces, cartoon faces smiling, yes. yeah, oh, the whole deal. So, enough about our, our our plans to take over pro wrestling tees. Let's yeah. get into this past Sunday and Money in the Bank. I, best pay per view the WWE's put on this since the pandemic started. 
probably. I mean, yeah, I feel like I I enjoyed that show more than WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. And even I'm the right there with you. like it's hard. And maybe because it's still fresh in the memory and fresh in the moment. So, you know, we'll have to touch base on that maybe in a few weeks to see if we still feel this way. But I feel like with the excitement, with the matches, and, of course, the live crowd doesn't hurt. I feel like having their reactions, again, to their honest reactions to events that happened throughout the night really did make it just just really put the show on a on a different playing field than everything that we've had this this year even wrestlemania um and i don't and and i still struggle with that too you know why you know why the crowd reaction for money in the bank felt much more authentic or just different than the the crowd at wrestlemania um but it did and i feel like that absolutely impacted the show in in a positive way absolutely you know for me I I tried to go back through the memory banks, and I always I always miss about one match on pay per view night. I've always talked about this. I usually miss one match on pay per view night because I'm putting like it's during Little O'Dowd's bedtime, and so yeah. I usually miss. And I'm trying to remember. I missed um, I missed the women's Money in the Bank match. I think is what was happening yeah. during that. So I was like, I'm oh early. great, Nikki Nikki won. Good for her. Uh, and I was surprised because I think I'd picked Liv. Uh, but wasn't surprised, that, like, wasn't necess- necessarily surprised that Liv didn't win. I was genuinely surprised that Nikki won. What yeah. What really did it for me though is I couldn't really feel like I didn't really feel like there was a match that I saw or a segment that I saw that felt like a miss on the show. Uh, probably the only miss that I had was just one that I kind of morally object to during the kickoff because apparently if you blow yeah. a point two zero five, that gets you a tag team championship. <sighs> Um, I know. And, Ugh, and, and so I, I had some problems there. And I don't want to stay in negative town. I don't want to go into negative town on that. But that was the only real miss, and that was during the kickoff, in my opinion. Like, I just felt like every match I watched, while, while I wouldn't say there were any five-star matches, uh, I think that there were three, four, like, if you were doing the star ratings system, three matches I would have given very good, to, like, four-star ratings in, in both um, both. Uh, men's championship matches and Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, which yeah. was the best match of the night. Easily Charlotte and Rhea blew it out of the water, in my opinion, and were so good that they they killed the crowd the one time it tried to be a bunch of jerk faces and yeah. wanted a chant for Becky. And maybe that's... Let's start there. Um, let's start with the women's um, the women's championship match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley because they put out they pulled out all the stops and I felt like they tore the house down and really pulled the crowd away from their one attempt at a distraction um, with that we want Becky business. Mm-hmm. Well, I think expectations were set low because the story that they've been building between them had been confusing. Um, I, I did kind of like how they were alluding to Rhea was as smart as she was because Charlotte laid the foundation for, you know, the dirtiest player in the game in in her own way. So I feel like expectations were kind of low because we've seen some... I don't want to say random, but just like kind of inconsistent, strange storytelling on Raw. Their matches have been 
you know, fairly good, but it feels like it was lost with all of the back and forth segments that we've seen on Raw. So the fact that they just went out there and just had an amazing match and did what they did best literally shut everybody up, you know? And I think that that is also the power of great wrestling that can, you know, the story that you tell in a ring can overcome whatever story that is written on a piece of paper or that you have on a weekly basis. And that's almost the thing that you feel like you don't always get in WWE because they put the focus more on the actual storytelling part on promos and vignettes and even things that they record for social media and it feels like it happens less and less when you have an amazing match that tells the story in the ring and the, the i don't think any there was no way to go about it you just you had to pay attention you were compelled to the point where you know again that like you said the attempts to hijack that match by the crowd were cut off because these two women did not allow it and i don't know if they came out of this out of spite saying you know what we're going to come in and have this great match or what it was, but there was something different about both of them and just how they performed, but also how they more, more of the personality and character came through in this match. There was a real intensity yeah. that the both of them brought, like they, they just, they came out ready yeah. and let's like Charlotte, by the way, just playing to that crowd, flipping that crowd off, you know, so good. Cut out, notwithstanding. Like I loved it. Everybody's like, "What well, did they censor her? Her flipping people off?" But you know, they've played the word "shit" twice uh, on on replays. But she, like, any time people want to question why she is where she is, just watch how she controlled that crowd. Like, and how she played right in. She leaned right into it. She was everything they, they wanted to boo. She gave them a reason to do it. And then still came out, and like I said, she and Rhea, best best work of the night. Mm-hmm. And it just yeah. wasn't even close. And I'm in awe of, of how well they did and how and what they put together. Not because they couldn't do it, but because they just did it so well yeah um becky lynch by the way not helping things with twitter well you know i get it she's trolling a little bit and oh yeah she she primed the pump for that crowd though you know posted that picture in front of the arena uh it immediately led everybody to be like okay who's out of money in the bank and then I, you know, you talk about setting bars and expectations. Suddenly they're like, okay, we know she's here. We know she's here. We're going to let them know that we want her out here. Uh, and so I'm just like, Becky, that's sneaky. That's, that's, yeah, she, she, you know, your brand. Of, she's been throwing those types of hints out. Oh, yeah. You know, she did the same thing at WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, you know, she's been throwing those hints out for a while. So I think this time there was that live crowd to be able to feed off of it. But, you know, going back to what you were saying, the fact that both Rhea and Charlotte just cut that out, didn't have no time for that, you know. And, I, again, that's kind of 
as much as it's a wholesome experience, we also know what wrestling crowds can do. They can hijack right. things that they feel like they have the right to hijack. And I don't think they would have done that with any other match. Um, so I still feel like not only did that match really cement that feud, but it also continued to cement the women's division um, in the WWE, both on Raw and SmackDown, um, is is one of the most dominant in the entire world of professional wrestling. And for as much as fans want to support women's wrestling, they didn't hesitate to try and hijack, you know, one of the only one of two women's matches in the entire show. Right. It was it was terrific. Another thing that was terrific was, in my opinion, Bobby Lashley destroying Kofi Kingston. I I I want to look up my tweet because yeah. oh I know I think I wrote that was some Brock Lesnar John Cena level shit right there yes like I'm, Brock Lesnar yeah. when he destroyed John Cena I'm like we are watching just an utter dismantlement of Kofi Kingston and to give Greg his due pointed to what he talked about the week before about this changed Bob Lashley, um, that return into who he was and that identity. Just amazing. Yeah. This is an example of when, you know, they, they alluded to this on the, the Monday Night Raw before Money in the Bank about a change in Bob Lashley, and we saw that effect happen in the ring. And it's unfortunate that ha- has to happen to to, to Kofi because he is so beloved and this is not the first beatdown that he's had. Uh, this one was much more of an extended beatdown, but they've done a really good job of telling this feud for quite some time now. So, you know, we knew that Kofi wasn't going to win and ultimately you had to figure out how was this going to end? And this was the most definite dominant way to establish an endpoint for this feud as they possibly could have. And everybody still kind of wins. Kofi is still beloved. Kofi is still going to be one of the biggest baby faces on Raw. And, you know, Bob Lashley is still a dominant beast. He is still your champion. And he used one of the most over faces in the company to prove that point, which is kind of what pro wrestling is. That's that's what pro wrestling does. That's a classic story. So, you know, I, I, I can understand why there were some people upset that it had to be Kofi, but also who who else couldn't have been that you were in, that invested in? Right. You could have done it to anybody, but nobody else, but you, you wouldn't have cared. Not right. like you care about Kofi, and that's, that's part of the point. Yeah, that's that's the story there. That's the story there. Is he, he took a favorite. He took somebody that people love, and he squashed it like a bug. And and said, no, I am a dominant champion. I'm going to show you what it means to be a champion, and I dare anybody to get in my way and challenge me. Because I like, I'm trying to remember, did Kofi get any offense at all? I don't think he did. I think it ranked right up there. In with, the very beginning, uh, right. there was some offense, but outside of that, no. Right. And so, you know, between that and his title defense against Brock Lesnar, uh it's just not the main event you know the the heavyweight championship scene the world title scene sorry it's not a heavyweight championship uh the heavyweight title scene the universal title scene just doesn't seem to work for kofi 
seems seems to be doomed when he when he gets he gets so far and then he just gets crushed. Yeah. Bless his heart. But you want you want it, but it but it it's it's such a great thing to elevate Bob as as a heel, right? As as a as an unstoppable force to just be like to to just do that beat down to not be satisfied with one or two of his finishers to like hit it multiple times to to let it go like it was it was great. It was great, and you needed to do that for the setup that came on Monday, and we'll talk about that when we get to Monday Night Raw. The the other match that I feel like we have to talk about is, of course, the other um, title match that, that took place, that one being um, between your head of the table, your tribal chief, Roman Reigns, and, and Edge in what was another really really good match between those two uh i actually felt like they did a lot of good work building some level of unpredictability to the result of that match at different times like edge getting the spear on uh on reigns before he could get the spear on edge things like that like it was just really it was really really well done for for everybody who complains that edge looks old looking at you vince guy still got it yeah. Still, still got it. Can still go, and they. I thought they put on a, ter- a terrific match that was good in its own right and distinctly different from the Bob Lashley match, but still left Reigns standing tall after yes. the match was over as a dominant champion. Yeah, and again, you have that connection with Edge as a babyface, as someone who's now making his second return back to the WWE. After, you know, still you know recovering from an injury, he's still very beloved and very similar to the Bobby Lashley Kofi Kingston um, feud. You know, you knew kind of how this was going to end. Almost, it still could have gone either way. You know, that was, this one is more a little bit where you could have seen Edge win and maybe, you know, divert the story a little bit. But I feel like for the most part, you knew, you know, the the end result, but you didn't quite know how. And we also felt, I think a lot of people kind of knew this was going to be the last match between them. So how do you have that definitive closure between them and still get sympathy for Edge and still have domination for Roman Reigns? And the answer is Seth Rollins. I actually thought that was such a kind of beautiful tie-in to have his interference because now it sets up this Seth that has between them as well from the point of, you know, Seth Rollins, you know, threatening to, you know, break Edge's neck. And, you know, as we'll go into now another feud for Roman Reigns, and you did that all within a match. The story you told right. in the ring helped convey, you know, not only the end result, but also now two feuds that... Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. The same person for you know the majority of his career, and the fans have kind of 
fought in waves with and without him and, you know, for him and against him. And the fact that you had the, the reactions that you did, Roman Reigns just getting the boo, the just booed out of the arena in a way where he loved it, where it was exactly the way that he wanted it to be eating out of the palm of the audience's, you know, or the audience eating out of the palm of his hand. And then Cena coming into one of the biggest pops that we've had in quite a long time. To me, it felt almost like if you would have told me this two years ago, that this would have been in the reactions of these two individual wrestlers, I would have said, that's insane. People hate John Cena. But the fact that he's been gone, the fact that Roman is as dominant as he is, you know, Super Cena is literally here to try and save the day. And the fans are here for it. And you're absolutely right. A lot of wrestling, when you try to explain it to people, isn't necessarily in matches. It's in moments. It's in reactions. And to see someone who has had somewhat of a contentious relationship, not on his part with the fans, on the fans' part, uh, it also shows that home is home. And at the end of the day, John Cena is still going to be revered as one of the best of all time. And in fans' minds, you know, someone that they truly miss and admire and want to see. Whereas also the evolution of Roman Reigns is the exact person that you wanted. A darker, more mysterious, more dominant Roman. And you're booing him in the exact way that, that he wants you to be booed. And, and displaying a strength that he wants you to see. And so I... It's it's and it's beyond that too. It's so much more. But that reaction really got me excited. A little surprised to be honest, just because I didn't expect it to be that loud. But an awesome way to end the mat or to end the show, and such an awesome way to start. Not you know, not a middle, not the end. To start a program between Roman Reigns and John Cena. Absolutely. Um, I've rewatched that that one minute clip that's out there from the WWE uh, on YouTube. I've watched that thing like five or six times already. Yeah. Because it's just such, it's so well done and you can when the WWE does something well. Yes. They do really well and they should be very, very proud of the show, that moment. Did you have any inkling that Cena was was even in the building? Was he that he was there? Like I know he had done an interview saying that he was talking mm-hmm. about when he was coming back, but like I I was surprised. I was surprised. You know, like I didn't think we were going to see him there. I mean, I had seen a lot of you know the the speculation online about John Cena being Roman Reigns' opponent, but really didn't know if that was even going to be true because at one point they kept throwing Brock around there, uh, and so it could easily be like, oh, that's another rumor. You know, take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, but you know, just to see it happen in that way. Absolute surprise. Absolute surprise. Did not expect it to end the show. Did not expect that confrontation. Did not expect to hear his music at that moment. Yeah, and when that music hit, um, all bets were off. I, I, I think I would I think I audibly said like, no way or oh my, that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Uh the other thing that's kind of fun, some of those things are contrived and fake, but I, I did jump on YouTube and there's like compilations videos of folks who like were right. recorded watching themselves responding to And to commentary a joke. reaction, was that cool? 
Yes. Yes. That was cold. Like, I had not hear, hear, I've not heard Michael Cole that excited about anything right. ever. Yeah. Ever. I, there's, just, there's no argument there. He was. He was. That was like Mario Ranello level excitement from Michael it, Cole. It was damn between him and Pat McAfee, like on that show, like. It, it, it was great stuff, and they did a terrific job. And Cole, in particular, for that moment, you felt like he let the moment breathe, right? Like you, like at least in my opinion, like it. It just seemed like he said just enough to carry that excitement, and then let John Cena do his thing. And that is a that is a skill. That is something that not everybody can do and do well. And he nailed it. So, yeah, just just a wonderful encapsulation uh, of a of a terrific evening on the part of the WWE. Yeah, was I had there, a lovely time WWE. Thank you. Yes, me too. Was there anything else for Money in the Bank that stood out to you? Anything else that you want to highlight? Those those are the big highlights for for me. We've been yeah. talking about this for about half an hour now. So yeah, uh, if, I mean. Kind of in alignment, kind of the final things uh, to, to briefly touch on, too, are, are both Money in the Bank winners. I feel like those reactions as well from the crowd were just, you know, really genuine, really over. Those were some really good feel-good moments. Um, and you don't always feel like you get those within WWE. I mean, you talk about some of the title changes that happened. You know, those were ones I'm sure fans were like, uh, you know. Or, or maybe right. not the happiest about, or the you know the title retaining, both on the Roman Reigns and, and Bob Lashley side. You didn't get really good feel good butterfly moments uh, as far uh, for most of the show, even though it was excitement, but not you know super feel good. But I think you did get those in both Money in the Bank matches, and uh, I think that just added to the night. So I was just happy with both results, uh, and I think that too. You know, it, it. I hope, as you know, as we'll talk about, I'm sure on Monday Night Raw, you know, with with Nikki Ash, but at least hypothetically that you know both of those winners get the results that you know I think having Money in the Bank should have, and not necessarily winning titles, but just elevating the careers, having this big milestone, being able to take their careers to the next level, and being remembered as Money in the Bank winners. Absolutely, and you're right. We are uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but then we are going to talk about one of those two winners in detail because that, as you mentioned, Nikki had kind of a big night on Raw. Uh, but before we do that, let's jump to our second commercial break. You're listening to the Babyface Heel Podcast on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, we are back. Before we get into this segment, I do want to apologize a little bit to, to our, our listeners. Um, as we cut out a little bit in the midst of our podcasting, Miranda, and it, it was by no fault of yours. It is completely, I was following along on my recording and I noticed that it stopped. And I was like, well, that's not good. So about 26 minutes into the show, we disappeared. So wherever we disappeared... Very, very sorry, Greg. Um, we are back on track. We are recording well, again. All it's of Miranda's... just good to not be blamed for technical issues. Oh, no, uh, I'll totally own was, this. This is me. That was kind of my gimmick for a while is, you know, hashtag Miranda's fault with any right type now. of technical blip. No, this is, a, this is a known thing that I learned about um, that happens with my recorder for some reason where it just decides, you know what, just kidding. We're going to stop. Jake. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and it just doesn't. It just stops recording for a while. And it'll look like it's recording like because there's a little picture of a cassette tape. And it has little wheels that spin. And it'll keep spinning like it's recording. But the timer will stop ticking up and showing how long we were recording. So hopefully we didn't miss too much. Uh, I won't know until post-production. But I wanted to acknowledge that, um, that, that you know, when Greg puts it together, there will be a gap. And that's that's on me. So, okay. So, Money in the Bank happened. Monday Night Raw comes along. And they manage to give us another couple of what I would say were pretty big-time moments. For I, And again, we'll talk about three of them, I think, that, uh, that we've got. We've got to talk about Nikki Ash and... You know, we get the we get the Rhea Ripley Charlotte Flair rematch, which is just used as a vehicle to to allow Nikki Ash to cash in and use her Money in the Bank briefcase to win her first women's championship, a, a Raw Women's Champion Championship. We got to talk about Keith Lee and Bob Lashley, uh, and. How it's okay that Keith Lee lost to Bob Lashley, followed immediately by what we we presume will be Bob's next uh, next opponent come SummerSlam in one Bill Goldberg. We'll start with the women though. How great was was that result? Like how great was that moment for for Nikki Ash? It was a good moment, but I've been very adamant. I talked about it on last week's episode. I wanted to see a woman hold on to this briefcase for a while. Yeah. Just to, I mean, the women's money in the bank match isn't that old. You know, we've only had, I think she becomes, what, the fifth winner? Yeah. Uh, Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and having the cash-in happen just 24 hours after, you know, getting the, the uh, or getting the briefcase, you know, it is excitement. But I feel like they could have done more long term with her carrying that title or carrying that that briefcase. Um, and I think that really could have helped establish her as, you know, just uh, getting into that next level of superstardom and merchandising. I mean, that, too, that's merchandising all over it. Uh, but I, as far as in the moment, living in the moment, it was, you know, it, it was a big deal. Um, and even I will forgive kind of not the sloppiness, but I mean, she, she beat Charlotte. I mean, again, one after the match, but also with, you know, just a, a cross body. So I, I get that's kind of her finishing maneuver, but you know, th- that's just a little of the particular in me. It's kind of nitpicky, but what, what, what I call that a quibble. That, that, I call it. I call it a quibble when when it's like, oh, we got this like little thing that's kind we of. We got this little over. thing, but the reaction again. People are not going to remember, you know, the the crossbody finish. They're going to remember her reaction. They're going to remember their reaction. They're going to remember her going into the crowd and celebrating, you know. Um, and that is really what's been circulating all over the internet. People are truly excited for her. Not only fans, but wrestlers. And it's such a great story. I think Killian Dane, you know, is one of the, the best storytellers in this. Talking about she didn't give up. She may have been frustrated. She may have, you know, had this change in direction, but she fought for herself the entire way. And right. that ability to convey that and share that in a character is is priceless. So the moment is great. I just wish wish the execution happened a little differently. Sure. Uh, I'm kind of... I go back and forth on on sort of the act of the cash out cash in and when it happened, because like you said, it, it take it, the cash in victory like that just feels like they're not really like that. They, like they're not really behind this person as a champion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause they can, you can kind of ride it away. Like if she doesn't stick and stay over, well, she was a flash in the pan champion who got lucky. Yeah. And and cash in a money in the bank like that's yeah. you know like that's that's easy that's an easy story to write. On the other hand, I think that they were really trying to build moments and momentum out of these three shows, and they really were looking at what are things that we can do that are really going to get people talking and excited for our product again, both with the fans that watch and we know we have, but also the fans on the other side too uh, on the internet. Um, in Twitter, the ones that run down every single thing that happens. And I thought this was a terrific way to to get folks excited about that because the internet loves Nikki Cross. Uh, you know, Nikki Ashley had some problems with a lot, of, a lot of folks thinking that it was like she was being saddled with this terrible gimmick and that she wasn't going to go anywhere. And yet, here we are now. She's a champ. So... Yeah, they hate her, guys. They they totally hate her and want nothing to do with her. They they're looking to get rid of her. Totally, she's on the way out the door. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how long of a championship reign this this can be. I don't know how sustainable yeah. it is. Um, mostly because of the gimmick and and the character and those characters usually aren't champ for very long. Um, I also think that 
you know, underdog characters, they work. Like this, it's like Kofi. Mm-hmm. Kofi works better as an underdog. I think I think Nikki in this iteration works really well as an underdog. Yeah, you're not an underdog when you're the champ. And... Yeah, exactly. I just figured, you know, there's of course money in the chase, you know, and she literally had money in the bank, you know, briefcase that she could have had the chase and teased it or, you know, really tried to fight to do it on her. You know, there's a lot of stories that could have been told with it. So I agree that this does kind of seem as much as it's, you know, being hot on the momentum. It's also, well, let's just go ahead and and do this and see what happens. And if it's not over, then, you know, we can always put the belt on somebody else or especially have it back on Charlotte. And I also feel like it was a big deal for the women to get their own money in the bank briefcase. And really, the only person who had it for an extended amount of time was Carmella. So we don't even have that visibility uh, on the same level as we do for the men of someone who's carrying it around for an X amount of time, it helps establish importance. It helps. I mean, one of the, the reasons why money in the bank is so touted as a big opportunities are the, you know, the, the spontaneous cash-ins uh, of course, but you think of edge and, and you know, how he held, how strategic he was. You think of Seth Rollins and how strategic he was and they were very sudden, Money in the bank cashins, but you also saw them carry it around. Even Brock Lesnar, as much as people made fun of, you know, kind of his reign with the boombox, that having that identity with the briefcase is something that people remember. And I feel like we are just not getting that on the women's side. We haven't got right. it in four years. So it somewhat feels like they don't place the same value and importance on the women's briefcase as they do for the men. And that may be a reach, but that's the way it makes me feel. Oh, well, I'm not going to argue how you feel about any, any point. Like those are your feelings. Your feelings are your feelings. Um, you know, who my favorite cash in was though, speaking of just like, just people being a little bit different. Rob Van Dam's where, yeah. Where Rob Van Dam was like, this is when I'm going to cash this contract in. I'm using it this way. And they've never really done that again since. Like, it's really, like, men or women. Like, I would love to see another person. Like, and it has to be the right sort of personality and and character to do it. But would love to see a cash in like that. You know, as I look to the future, you know who I think would be great for having the the briefcase for a long time? Uh, If she can you know, keep herself out of hot water with everybody else is uh, Sasha Banks. Um, oh, yeah. I think Sasha with, with the briefcase for a long time would be terrific um, in that edge sort of way. And, and who knows, maybe maybe we'll get there. Um, get vaccinated, Sasha, by the way, please. Um, I'm begging. Uh, just put that out there. So, no, but I hear you. It is, you know, I didn't even really think about it until you brought it up. But, yeah, there hasn't... You know, it's been, hell, again, I watched Bailey win it and then cash in the same night. So I, I know what you're talking about there. I was all for it when she did it. When she showed up yeah, and cash in, I was, again, I was on board. Yeah, it, I still look at that, too. I, I'm thinking of that reaction. I think of her reaction of just staring at it thinking, F it. I'm going to go and cash it in, you know, yep. especially against a heel Charlotte. So, you know, I, I feel like in in theory, yes, it does. But, uh, you know, 
the fact that this is now a continuous thing every year is just, you know, it's kind of so surprising. And again, you make a good point too, a little bit about, you know, the perception, but it's also capitalizing while the iron's hot. And WWE has also been notorious for letting things cool off when someone's getting really hot and either doing things that look like it's squashing them or not capitalizing on it. So it also kind of feels like a damned if you do, damned if you don't with, with Nikki, you know? Um, that's that's the WWE's conundrum anyway, and we're going to get to that in a second. Actually, let's get to it right now. Keith Lee comes back. Wrestles against one Bob Lashley. Loses against Bob Lashley. Internet acts like that was the greatest crime against humanity. What was the WWE supposed to do? Oh, you know, I don't know. I to me, I feel it's a little silly to to for for people to criticize the decision to have Keith Lee lose uh, because yes, it was a great return for Keith Lee. We haven't seen him, you know, for a good part of this year. Um, but it, he doesn't lose anything by losing to Bobby Lashley. So many people have lost to Bobby Lashley, and it doesn't hurt them. You know, what hurts them is when you change their gimmick around to be, you know, a storyteller with a sword, Drew McIntyre, you know. Like, that's uh, what hurts people. Losing to Bobby Lashley does not hurt people. So I think especially if you have a valiant effort and you have someone, I mean, again, it is someone trying to conquer, you know, almost the unconquerable, you know, the most dominant force on Monday Night Raw. It's a valiant effort. And if anything, it should raise his stock up as a babyface. Should Keith Lee have returned against somebody else? I don't know. I don't know if it would have had the same impact, to be honest. Thank you. You know, everyone's talking about this because it's against Bobby Lashley. If he would have had a match against Ricochet or, you know, Johnny Miz Morrison Mundo, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, maybe Sheamus, but no, Sheamus is just beating people in five seconds again. So I don't want to repeat that. Like, I, right. you know, I, I feel like it wouldn't have had the same level of interest. Thank you. Thank you for articulating what I was about to share myself. This this made his return impactful. Like he came and was like, I'm going to stand toe to toe with the champ and and I'm going to go for it. Now it didn't work out, but you you can't after you've after Bob's night at Money in the Bank, he he can't lose. Like are you kidding me? He yeah. can't lose, and he can't really and, look that bad winning. Like, he's got to look yeah. good winning, too. Well, and even if it was a non-title match, we did see what happened right after, and that's introducing, you know, Bill Goldberg as, you know, what it looks like he's going to be his next uh uh, competitor next opponent for SummerSlam. So even then, you don't have time to really tell a story between Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley right now because the focus is on Bill Goldberg. So right. maybe further down the line after SummerSlam, I get having a non-title win could have made sense if you're going into a long-term program, but you're not. And so. and you're not. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're not. And it was again, it's a vehicle, right? Like there, it was a storytelling element to get us to Bill Goldberg versus Bob Lashley. I personally, 
am completely okay, probably more than okay, with a Goldberg versus Lashley match at SummerSlam. So long as Bobby wins. Damn it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, like, like, you don't, don't let no, Bill win I, this match. I, Damn it. I am putting my faith in WWE that they're not. Because, I, I, yeah, because I, I was like, this is, this really feels like uh, we're trying, we're getting Bobby to a stratospheric level as a champion. Yeah. To where he is on par and at a level that is equal to Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. To the point where you can look at both brand champions right now. Yes. And they're like, it's a wash. Between the yeah. two, like it's a it, wash. They're both it's very quality champions. Interesting how they're running these concurrent storylines and how right. similar they are, with some you know difference in nuances, but they also feel distinct. You know, the journey for Bob Lashley is very different than Roman Reigns, even though they are both very dominant champions. They both have managers. They, you know, both have, you know, looks like going to be very long uh, reigns. Now they also both have two fairly legendary opponents going into uh, SummerSlam. And I feel like it's still fairly much a wash knowing what you're going to see, even at summer or even at Money in the Bank, they both had very over-established baby faces as their opponents, but very dominant wins over each of them. So I find it fascinating that they're doing these parallel storytelling, but they're doing it very, very well. And I think with Goldberg, it is I'm hoping he's in a time frame in his career where he's realizing he loses nothing by losing. Right. Um, that if anything, a loss to him is only going to even elevate him because then that puts him now on the forefront of a title match with the one of the biggest things in wrestling right now in Bob Lashley. So it helps him make you know him relevant again. And he doesn't need a championship reign right now. He he doesn't. And I don't think needs one ever again because he's done all that he needs to do in in the world of professional wrestling. If anything, now he can get Bob Lashley to the level that he was at in his prime. And that, I think, is a really special thing to do. And the fact that – but I feel like the consensus is fans really just want to have – Bob Lashley win this as much as I feel like with with Cena and Reigns there's a little bit more you know back and forth I feel like there's a very clear camp of people who are like Bob is winning this right like no (laughs) no need for Goldberg to win this right I think that um it's a it's a good payoff on the attraction of Bill Goldberg you're absolutely right like this is all about continuing to build legacy for for both of these champions and these are these are legacy wins over over John Cena, a legacy win over Bill Goldberg, and I you know I fully expect them to come to fruition because it just it just makes too much sense and and yeah. you know again to go back to something our our beloved host talks about Greg said both of these should be lengthy title reigns that that don't end anytime soon and damn it whoever does win those titles it's gonna be special. You know special. what I mean? Like, and honestly, a Keith Lee would would be one I could see that could win that mm-hmm. title, and it'd be special. Uh, I hate him, but Matt Riddle, 
could be one that somewhere finds it. But I don't see it. Like, Matt Riddle right now against those two guys? No. 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 Like, you I need feel something like Matt to... Riddle's place right now is more as a comedy act, as a right. good, solid mid-carder. Now, there's a lot that can happen in a year. Is, yeah, more, more of the variety show. I think the reason why he gets so much TV time is because he's funny. And you can easily slot him into different teams and, or different opponents. And he has, you know, this, this level of humor that I think for WWE maybe attracts a, a wider audience. So Matt Riddle's place, I don't really think, has anything to do with championships. I think his role is just, you know, to just consistently have matches, to have funny promos and vignettes, and, you know, to, to keep having some fun clips on social media. That's Matt Riddle's purpose right now. For now. Exactly. And there's a lot that could happen between now and maybe even a year from now. We'll we'll have to see. But if you had to give a rating, let's let's do uh let's let's do a score. Scale of, we'll do we'll do a one to ten. How would you rate the last forty eight the, the that forty eight hours for the WWE? Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I do a, a point scale? Can I add a point in there? That's kind of how you, I do my thing. You do your thing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, the, honestly, my gut reaction, just off the cuff, 8.3. 8.3. I'm higher than that. I'm a, I'm a 9, solid 9, if I were to do point system. And I do this, if you read the nerd review, it'd be like a 9.322. Um, oh, okay. Because... I was very. I came away very impressed with what the WWE can do. It was a reminder of what they can be. Yeah. The key is maintaining that momentum um, and continue to tell a good story. And the crowd will the crowd will stay with them as long as that story is still good. So I I hope that the best is yet to come. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Since Greg's not here and I don't have the three minute warning music, we're going to do something a little different and I'm going to bring Bandwagon Nerds back to the Babyface Heel Podcast, and end this show with a segment I use to end my show called Patrick O'Dowd Has a Question. And it has an intro, Miranda. Are you ready for the intro? I'm ready. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs> So, yes, that is Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants asking a bunch of questions. I got to give a tip of the cap to our good friend PC Tunney. He made that for me back when we started running with Patrick O'Dowd as a question. And so if you listen to this past week's Bandwagon Nerds, I'm going to basically throw the question to you that I threw to my fellow bandwagoners. We've been talking about music a ton. Uh, 
outside of bandwagon nerds and we're trying to to do a little bit more music on the show and we've we've been talking about artists and acts and so this i got two questions for you the first one is what is one group or artist that you would like to see before either you or they die and two if you could go back and see any artist slash musician who is no longer with us in concert who would that be Oh, such a good question. Such a good question. Uh, he, I don't go to a lot of concerts personally. I never really have. Um, and, I, you know, it's not that I, I always listen to music. Um, I think because I just grew up in such a small town, I never had the ability. It was always like a big thing to think about, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, to go to a concert. I would say, I can't necessarily say I have one in particular that I'd like to see. And maybe this kind of combines both of the answers. But this is actually a tour that I always wanted to go and I never went to. And that's the Vans Warp Tour. I always had the compilation CDs and, uh, you know, all of the, the volumes of the Warp Tour. But I, I never went. And that was something that I just loved as a, a kid and as a teenager so maybe as far as you know who i would want before i would die in an ideal world would be blink 182 that was okay. the band that really got me into music and into kind of my current genre favorites of pop punk and alternative and their live album um, is one of my favorites uh, of all time that i still listen to one of the very first cds i ever got and so, um, you know, I always kind of, it, it always kind of sucked to be like, oh, when the, when the warp tour, you know, ended up, um, uh, not running anymore, you know, that was all of my, you know, childhood and teenage hopes down the drain of one day I'm going to go to a warp tour, uh, event and I, and I never did. Um, as far as who I'd bring back, uh, someone that, you know, I had never seen before, um, that I'd want to. That's pretty tough. Um, I would say as far as who I would love to see more for historical purposes is the original Beatles together. Um, That is, again, another band that in the actual, you know, heyday of all four members being together was magic. And, you know, the evolution of this group through time, um, is is always fascinating for me to to learn about and hear about and so i think ever going to one of their live events as a whole i guess the other one too uh would have been queen uh with with freddie mercury that's good too, answer like, that's a terrific spectacle. answer terrific answer you you know yeah. that that's my favorite band in the whole world right i didn't know that was your favorite band in the whole world yes queen is I my really favorite yeah queen is my favorite band in the whole world and again if you listen to um, Chair Shot Radio on Monday, Dave and I started doing a segment where we talk about, we, we each come with a different artist every week now, a different musician, and we call it Musical Chairs, and we talk about what we like about that artist, and then um, we talk about some music you should listen to um, by that band. And so this is our first go-around. We picked our favorite musicians. He is a big Green Day fan. I'm a big oh, Queen fan. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, uh, I love Queen and would... I've seen them twice with uh, with Adam Lambert and wish, you know, if obviously seeing them live with Freddie Mercury 
would have been a spectacle unto itself and, and would have been a great memory. So, all right. Well, thank you for participating in a little touch of the bandwagon to wrap up the show. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we are going to wrap up here real quick. I'm not going to be Greg DeMarco. I'm going to let you speak for yourself. Tell everybody out there where they can follow you, not on the Twitter. Yes. You can follow me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook hashtag spelled out. Excellent. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. That is going to do it for this week's edition of the Babyface Heel Podcast. I would like to just say once more, terrific outing by the new best friends. You're Yay! welcome, everyone. New besties. New besties. New besties, new besties tore besties. it up as always. You know, technical difficulties notwithstanding. And thank you, every, thank you very much, everyone. And we will see you next Wednesday on the Babyface Hill Podcast. This has been the Babyface Hill Podcast on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh.